0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the study of antiquity and the Middle Ages. As always, I am your host, Nick Barksdale, and today we are joined once again by a very special guest. Most of you know her by now. You love her work. You love what she does. You love it when she's on the channel. And I welcome here today, Dr. Louise Hitchcock. Dr. Hitchcock, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Pleasure as always.
0: I've seen a subject pop up online quite a bit from history groups on Facebook to threads in Reddit, and it involves this debate and this controversy surrounding the Minoans and Egypt, and whether or not ancient Egypt provided the foundation and influence for the Minoans. Could you explain to us maybe what this theory is? Is it right? Is it wrong? Would you mind giving us your thoughts on this subject?
1: Not at all. Um, I think this comes out of Bernal's book, Black Athena II, where he tries to say that um, the Egyptians conquered Crete. And um, I find Bernal very good on historiography, but very weak on archaeology. He treats archaeology the way a historian does and kind of the way Herodotus does in that he's not very critical. Um, He takes some references, you know, because there's the so-called... Knossos Labyrinth, and there's a labyrinth in Egypt, and other things to create a connection where none exists. Um, There is a connection, though, but I would say it's more a connection of trading partners and influences. Uh, My supervisor, Donald Preziosi, who did his PhD on Minoan palace planning, argued that many of the Minoan buildings use the Egyptian cubit And we do know that Minoans in the early palace period were in Egypt because they found quite a lot of Minoan Camaris were there. So there may have been people working there as apprentices or living there to somehow train in Egyptian architectural styles. And it's been also suggested that the gypsum facade at Knossos is kind of like a imitating the use of the white gleaming stone used on the pyramids but Minoan architecture is incredibly unique and this is something I can talk about next time. So they may have picked up building and planning techniques from the Egyptians but they built these palaces on their own. They borrowed other things from the um, Egyptians like this um, icon of the Minoan genius So there are a number of um, icons here and there. You had objects from Egypt exported to Crete, objects from Crete exported to Egypt. There's a very famous later fresco, although it's only a couple of fragments, and it's from the Mycenaean era, and it's called the Captain of the Blacks. And it shows a man with red skin carrying a spear and behind him is running another warrior with black skin. And people have used that to say, oh, there were um, there was an army, there were slaves, blah, blah, blah. What it could just mean is that you had some Nubian mercenaries in Crete or Nubian mercenaries had been encountered because the Nubians were famous um, for their battle skills and were valued around the region. You also have a type of um, monkey appearing in Crete and and in Akrotiri, at least in the artwork, known as the blue monkeys. And this is a very specific uh, breed of monkey, a vervet. So um, that was coming in from Egypt. We know a lot of raw materials, ivory, gold, uh, possibly ebony, things like that were coming in from Egypt. So they were an important trading partner. And Crete is just 90 miles from the Nile Delta. And also you get things from the Levant as well. You get these uh, Canaanite amphora start to appear in southern Crete at Comos. They were used all over the place. There's a lot of interaction between Crete and Cyprus. And I would, you know, I would argue that the Minoan palaces were built as much to impress visiting traders, uh, if not more than to impress other Minoans. And so it's that kind of, relationship where they were borrowing artistic styles and maybe even trading craftspeople back and forth, trading pottery. We know that both the Cypriots and the Egyptians loved Mycenaean pottery and also probably the perfumed oil. So there was just a lot of interaction. There's nothing to indicate um, any kind of uh, um, ethnic connection. Um, Also, the art of the Amarna period of Akhenaten starts to become more naturalistic, as if imitating Aegean art. Um, and again, that could just be for purposes of prestige. And we also know, I, I keep saying, and we also, and we also, um, the depiction where Minoans often tend, and it's not 100%, but there's um, a convention where women are portrayed with white skin, and men are portrayed with red skin. This convention comes from Egyptian art, but We know that Minoans were portrayed very differently than Egyptian people with these sort of what we call a wasp waist and long, snaky locks of hair. And so the Minoans absolutely had their own unique culture, but that doesn't, uh, they were heavily influenced by the Egyptians and, and vice versa.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for joining us here today at the Study of Antiquity and the Middle Ages with one of our favorite guests, and that is Dr. Louise Hitchcock. Dr. Hitchcock, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Uh, You're very welcome. Happy to do it.
0: And as a reminder to our subscribers, don't forget to check out the links in the video description below where it will take you to a variety of outlets to where not only can you purchase the books that she has written that I highly recommend, but also her academia profile to where she can provide us with so much knowledge and deeper insights into the subjects that we love and that we want to learn more about. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so much and have a wonderful night.